The following is a Thunderbolt West Media production. I'm talking World War III and giving you ideas of what to do with your foraged food. You are listening to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show with Jim Calhoun. The storm was coming, the sky was on fire, fear was in their eyes. It's my opinion that we should be prepared to lean on our faith and be able to step out on the sea. Thanks for tuning in to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I'm your host, Jim Calhoun. This show features off-grid topics such as creating your own power, gardening, homesteading, and other issues related to off-grid living. I also seek to educate my listeners about survival and prepping, and I'll talk about anything from government corruption to chemtrails. Also, I feel that our constitutional republic is worth saving so I never miss an opportunity to do my part in helping to save our republic. I have two main goals for this show. Number one, to help you build your faith in God. And number two, to help each listener become as self-sufficient as possible. This show originates at the Harmony Barn Studios, located near Hershey, Nebraska, in the United States of America. The Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show airs on global shortwave stations WBCQ, Monticello, Maine, at frequency 7.490, and also on WRMI, Radio Miami International, on frequency 5850. And you can tune in to Key Radio, 89.3 FM, in Osage Beach, Missouri. And this show is also available on demand, on Spreaker, Anchor, Podpoint, Podpage, and Red Circle. My email address is jim at offgridliving.faith and be sure to visit my website, which is offgridliving.faith. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I have a good show planned for you today. I'm going to be giving you lots of information about lots of things. And so this show is going to be kind of all over the map, but I have a lot of loose ends that I have to kind of take care of because they're getting out of hand. First, I want to say a big thank you to all that's have been writing me letters as far as regular mail and as well as email. And I'm keeping up with my emails really good. I get a chance to read all of the letters and I try to respond as much as I can as far as on the show. And I'm trying to find the time to physically write some letters and eventually I'll get that done. But I'm heading into harvest season right now as far as hay harvest and between getting machinery ready and I'm also started. I've already mowed down my first fields and getting the hay baled and picked up and everything. When you're by yourself, when you're a one-man show all the way across, well, it's kind of hard to keep up on some of the things. And But I do want to assure everyone that writes me a letter, I do read the letter and I really do appreciate it. 
I'm getting to know several of you, and I think that you're wonderful people, and I'm very proud to have you as listeners. And also, I want to say a huge thank you to those who have sent some contributions, because that's the only reason I'm able to do this show, is because of your contributions. If it was up to my finances to keep this show going, I just couldn't do it. And so I really do appreciate all of your support very, very much. And I want to give an update on the prayer that I asked for. A couple of weeks ago, I asked for prayers for rain for this part of the country. And we had probably three inches of rain over the last maybe eight months. It has been really dry here. It's been really bad. But after I asked for the prayer, we've had over six inches of rain in the last two weeks. And so don't tell me that prayer doesn't work. Because I know firsthand, by just hundreds of experiences in my life, that prayer does work. And so thank you for your prayers. I really do appreciate it. And I think that we need to pray for something else. And so I'm going to ask for prayers for this too. As I do my research and my studies to try to get things ready, as far as to be able to inform you of the things I'm finding out, I listen to several different people, and the people that I listen to generally line up with the way I think. It's not that I'm trying to just listen to people that I agree with or agree with me, because I don't do that, but the ones that I like to listen to are the ones I really understand where they're coming from. And I've noticed that everybody that I listen to is starting to sound a little bit defeatist, and I'm not going to name any names or anything. But I think that as you listen to certain people, you can kind of hear it in their message. And these people are just concerned. And what's bringing their spirits down is that they're seeing the same things that I'm seeing. And that's there's nobody trying to stop this world war from happening. As a matter of fact, they're just rushing headlong into it like a bunch of high school kids trying to do a prank. It's just, it's immature, it's sickening, it's evil. And I thought it was only me that was getting overly concerned about this until I started noticing that those that I listen to are getting equally as concerned. And there's an awful lot of people coming to the same conclusion. And that conclusion is, is that we are really in for it. I mean, really big time in for it. And there are smarter people than I am that I listen to that thoroughly think that there's no way that we're going to avoid a war. And it's not just going to be any war, it's going to be a world war. Something like we've never seen or experienced. It's going to get more ugly than we can possibly even imagine. So I'm going to ask for your prayers for peace. Prayers that there's going to be a intercession of some sort to where someone is going to come in and put a stop to this or some group. I think that we really need to be in prayer that we stop the madness, because it is evil, it's satanic. The people who are driving all of this war hunger, they're all satanic. There's not one of them that I would trust. There's not one of them that I like. There's not one of them that I think should be a leader. I think they need to be resisted. But I think that the power of prayer is what's needed. And so I'm going to ask for each and every one of my listeners to please pray for peace and pray for wisdom. 
pray for an end to this madness? I think that is our only avenue that we have. And again, I think the power of prayer is the most powerful thing in the world that we have access to. So I think prayers are definitely in order. But again, I ask you to please pray for world peace. Now, as I do my research, it seems to me that there's a lot of people who are preppers that are sneaking things into their shows. As far as YouTube is concerned, there's no way that you can stay on YouTube and tell the 100% whole truth. You just can't do it. Because YouTube is not a bastion of free speech. It is very much controlled. And I listened to several people on YouTube, Canadian Prepper, one of them, and and he must be a master at knowing exactly what to say and how to say it to where they don't take him off that platform because he sure rides that line. But he's one of those that I listen to, and I think that he's got great information. But there's a person that I've discovered, and it was just by accident. And I don't know her name, but I know what her channel is. And it's called Emmy Made. E-M-M-Y-M-A-D-E. And she keeps chickens in her backyard, and she keeps bees, and she definitely would qualify as a homesteader, I do believe. But she has a show that's pretty much geared around cooking. But it's not just a cooking show. She finds old recipes and things that are thousands of years old that you can make as far as survival. She has quite a few videos about apocalyptic-type food. She has quite a few videos that she's put up as far as the apocalypse and how you can get by and feed your family. And she's always experimenting. And she's trying all sorts of things that mankind has eaten for thousands of years. She's finding the recipes, and she's making it right there in front of you and giving you a review. And also, I think the best part is that she seems to be a wonderful person. She seems to be the kind of a person that you could really call friend. And I think she's trustworthy. And so I think that if you do watch YouTube, I highly recommend that you... Watch some of the episodes of Emmy Made, if nothing else, just to get a nice positive boost for your day. Because she is so friendly and so sanguine and so uplifting that she is really a joy to watch. And her information is good. And so I think that that is one person that I'm going to totally recommend. And also, I do recommend the Canadian Prepper, because I think he's really on top of things. And of course, I think you should listen to Bob Bierman and Truth to Ponder. There's an awful lot of wisdom that you can get from Truth to Ponder. And every once in a while, I'll listen to Gerald Salente, and he's pretty crude. He's kind of a tough guy. But I'm going to tell you this. He knows his stuff. And if you can get past his crudeness, then you can really get some good information from Gerald Salente. So I recommend you give him a try. I think he's worth a listen. And I know a lot of my listeners also listen to Hal Turner because a lot of people that write me mention Hal Turner. And I listen to Hal Turner as well. And it's really something that Hal Turner and I are the same age and we're only two days apart as far as age. I'm two days older than him. And what's really something is that we think alike. He's a city boy from New York and I'm a country boy from out here in the sticks. 
but there's something in him that I really recognize that's the same way that I am. And Hal can be crude at times, but I think he's got a good heart, and I think that he's definitely on the right side of things. And I think he's worth your time to listen to. And he's also got a great website. Now, you might be wondering, why am I on here talking about other people's shows? Well, first of all, I don't have an ego about my show at all. I really, I'm not here for me. I'm here for you. And if I was here for me and all I would do is talk about me and me, 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 I would expect you to all turn me off and go listen to somebody else. Because I sure would. It's not about me. This never has been about me. It never will be about me. This is about you and me trying to get some information to you. And when I find some good information, I'm not going to act like it's my information, and I'm not going to plagiarize anybody. I'm going to tell you what I listen to, and I think that maybe you need to also. In other words, I think that we need to share this. I think good people need to stick together, and I want you to survive. I don't want you to be a statistic at all in this upcoming mess, and I'm giving you some hot tips, I guess, of shows I think that you really need to check out. I know there's hundreds, if not thousands, of different independent media shows out there right now. And I'm sure there's others that I've never heard of that are equally as good as the ones that I'm listening to. But I really do feel that we have to stick up for one another. You and me, as a team, we have to be a team. Because what we have in Washington is definitely not on our side. Now, I don't want to offend anyone here, and I hope I don't. But every time I come to this microphone, I do share what's on my heart. And something has changed. I don't know when. It could have been a long time ago, and I just didn't pick up on it. But it seems that our military is now being used to protect the interests of the corporation of the United States, much more than being used to protect we the people. I've seen videos of National Guardsmen actually help illegals get into this country. I've seen videos of United States soldiers guarding oil refineries. I've seen videos of the United States guarding poppy fields in Afghanistan. Now, they might have had a legitimate reason for doing that. I'm not saying that that in itself is bad. And I do love veterans. And I think veterans are the only reason we have our freedom. And I would love to think that our veterans are there fighting for freedom and fighting for good. But I have to tell you, this whole mess in Ukraine is getting stinkier by the second. When you have people that are high-up officials in the Ukrainian government that are wanting to have state-sponsored terrorism and they want to kill Vladimir Putin and other people, and then you have the head of the Ukrainian security of their secret service bragging about killing civilians all over the world if they write a positive post about Russia or they support Russia, and it makes this guy mad, he sends a hit team in. And he's admitting to killing many people. And so right now the United States government is now aiding and abetting a terrorist nation. 
that is publicly stating that they want to do terrorist attacks and assassinate. That is textbook terrorism. And we had this war on terror, so to speak, against ISIS and Osama bin Laden and just a whole bunch of different groups that were labeled as terrorists. But one of the largest groups of terrorists right now on the planet is the Ukrainian government. Don't take my word for it. Listen to their own words. Listen to their government brag about killing civilians all over the world. That's not what the United States stands for. That's not what I stand for. And I would like to think that our troops do not stand for that either. But it seems like something has changed, something that's really not good. I'm not talking about the enlisted men and also the junior grade officers. I'm talking about the Pentagon. I'm talking about the uppity-ups, the ones that run the whole show. I wonder where their allegiance lies, and I wonder what kind of orders they will issue to the regular infantrymen and also the sailor and so forth. It just makes me wonder, that's all. And the reason that I mentioned that was I'm getting back to what I said, that I think that we're on our own. I really don't know if we can count on anything that's funded by Uncle Sam to come and help us in a horrible situation that these people that are in charge are creating. Do you realize that this war in Ukraine is nothing different than hundreds of other wars that have sprung up, regional wars between two countries, border disputes, and so forth and so on? So why is this one the hill to die on? Why is Ukraine so important that they're going to risk worldwide nuclear extermination? Because Ukraine has always been known as the best country in the world, right? No? Ukraine is known for its, what? Its wheat? Its crops? It's an agricultural country. What is the deal here? I think the Ukraine is a staging ground for the elites to take over the resources of Russia. I know Putin went through all this training with Soros and all this, and I think he turned on him. I think that Putin needs to go because he was put in to do certain things in Russia, and his patriotism got the best of him, and he decided to stand up for his own country. And so he has to go. And so Ukraine is like a staging area. That's what's so important about it. It's not the country. No, these people don't care about the Ukrainian people. They want that Ukrainian land to stage a war against Russia to take the resources. I think that's what it's all about. And also covering up the fact they have biolabs in Ukraine. But anyway, I'm going to get on my topic here in a minute. It just seems to me that we have so much craziness that it's really hard to get your head around it. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do today. I have several things that I do want to talk about that are definitely survivalist and off-grid living. And that's going to be coming up as soon as my rant is over. But I tell you, as I do all this research and I'm out here by myself, I have to rant at somebody. Because I tell you, it's maddening to watch the absolute stupidity of the world's leaders right now. And I really do question what kind of support we, the people, are going to get from the Pentagon. Now, if it was up to the average soldier, then of course there would be total support. Because that's why people join, it's because they want to serve their country. 
But I wonder about the political arm of the Pentagon. And the reason I bring this up is because I think that we have to understand that it's up to we, the people, it's up to us to take care of ourselves. And I'm meaning this in a carnal sense as far as physically here on this earth. But I do know that those of faith know that God does provide for his people. And God does protect his people. And I think it's a given that we need to look at God not only for our salvation, but also for sustenance and protection and guidance and wisdom here on this earth. But with that said, I still think that we need to help other people who are like-minded. I think that we need to unite as much as we can, whether it be family or community or your state, hopefully the whole country. But I think we're way too divided for that. I just think that there are way too many people that will sit on the sidelines and just let things happen. Because I think we have quite a few of those kind of people that they're just there. They don't really have a vested interest in anything. Okay, enough of my rant. I'm going to tell you what I've been doing as far as survival. First of all, I'm adding more dirt onto my fallout shelter because it's not deep enough. I've only got about 18 inches of dirt. It needs to be three feet. And so I'm taking it one bucket full at a time because I have limited access as far as tractors and things to get to where my fallout shelter is. And so I have to do it by hand, which I'm no stranger to that. I'll just grab a shovel and grab a bucket and get to work. But I think we really hit that time where we can't prep out of fear because then we're going to make mistakes. But I really do think that things have crossed over the line where there is going to be a war. Whether it's going to go full-blown nuclear or not, I'm not sure. But if I would have to choose nuclear or not, as far as where this war is heading, I would definitely choose nuclear because these people are crazy that are world leaders right now. They're absolutely insane. And I guess the Democrats in Congress have been given some sort of satellite phones and also access to bunkers. I don't know if they've offered that to Republicans or not, but just the mere fact that I'm not sure they offered that to the other party is evidence to me that this country is fractured beyond repair. And so we're in this huge pressure cooker, and something has to give. And I was listening to the Canadian prepper a week ago, and he was talking about sandbags and using sandbags inside your house to build a fallout shelter in a room in your house or in your basement or what have you. And that's something that I had not thought of. And I think that's a great idea. As long as your floors will handle the weight. Matter of fact, I would choose a room that has a poured concrete floor. And then you could use sandbags and make sure the sandbags are three feet thick all the way around you, including the top. And that would do a very good job as far as keeping radiation out. And so there are things that we can do, even if you live in an apartment, to try to make it more radiation-proof. So there are things that we can do, because we still have that window of opportunity. But I think that you need to choose a location in your house that you can make as fallout-proof as possible. 
You're going to have to pay close attention to the ventilation. You're going to have to pay close attention to hygiene and access to water. What would be perfect is if you could somehow build your fallout shelter around your utility room or a place where you have water. Now, I know if we get into a full-blown nuclear exchange, I'm not sure how much water is actually going to be flowing through people's pipes. I don't know if the electricity is going to be shut down. If the water comes from lakes and streams, it might be tainted with radiation. There's all sorts of things to consider. And since we've never been here before, as a species, we've never been here before. You can talk about the atomic bombs we dropped in Japan. Well, that was, even though it was devastating, it was awful. It was nothing compared to what can happen today. And the scale that we can be hit is just unimaginable. And we might be hit with so many crises at once that we don't know which way to turn. And so I would look at the worst ones first. Worst meaning nuclear war, fallout, radiation, contamination. I would take care of that first. And right up there with number one would be water. Those are the things you have to take care of first. Then it's food and security. And the last thing on your list is going to be creature comforts. Hopefully you're far enough along in your prepping that you do have some of your creature comforts. You do have some alternative ways to cook, as in a candle stove or a kerosene burning lamp stove or just some sort of a rocket stove that you could build. I hope you have your food. I hope you have your water storage. I hope you have a system in place of what your family is going to do, how you're going to react, who's going to do what, who has what job. We are right there that we have to prepare. There's not going to be a 911 we can call. Oh, we can call it, but it's not going to do any good. And I know I received a letter last time I received mail that had mentioned that some of those things I was talking about were scary. And I do agree. They're terrifying, absolutely terrifying. And I wish I wasn't talking about them. I wish that it would be my grandest desire to go down in history as a kook on the radio that didn't know what he's talking about. I wish that would happen. But I really do feel that if I do not spread the warning, if I do not ring the alarm bell, then I'm not doing a very good job as a watchman at the gate. And that's what I consider myself doing when I'm reporting on World War III, is I really have to let you know what is coming. Because if you're caught flat-footed, that could be you or your family could be harmed or worse. And that's not why I'm broadcasting. Now, before I go on break, I do want to mention one more thing about World War III that nobody's talking about. And maybe it's just because I haven't heard them, but as far as I know, this is my thought. As far as I know, I'm the only one that's thinking this way, but it makes sense to me. We've had over the last year or so a war raging in Ukraine. And Russians have been throwing old equipment. Some of the equipment is extremely old. And they've been fighting their most ferocious battles with the Wagner Group. And so people think, well, Russia's equipment is old. It's outdated. It won't work. And Russia's soldiers aren't any good, so they have to hire mercenaries. 
that seems to be the prevailing quote-unquote wisdom of the mainstream media. But in reality, what Russia has done is actually brilliant. They have forced the hand of NATO. NATO no longer can hide the fact that they're actively involved. And Russia has come against a lot of NATO's weapons. Not all of them. I'm sure there's a lot of things hidden away in the crevices that they're going to pull out. But there's several cruise missiles. There's several defense batteries like the Patriot missile battery. And there's the Leopard tanks from Germany and the HIMARS, and several other systems that is actively part of NATO's arsenal. And Russia has been able to come against that. And also, the tactics that are used by NATO, Russia has come against that. But they came against it with obsolete machinery and mercenaries. It seems to me that Russia has made NATO lay their cards on the table, and Russia's kept their cards close to their chest. And so while NATO's tactics were being exposed to how they are going to fight this war, they were fighting against a mercenary group, a private group, that probably does resemble somewhat Russian tactics, but I would imagine they have their own tactics. And so if NATO is judging this war to fight against the tactics of Wagner, then they're not necessarily going to use the right battle plan. Because Russia knows what NATO's going to do. But NATO only knows what Wagner's going to do. And also, NATO has came against obsolete old equipment that they already knew how to destroy. Russia's new generation of weapons hasn't even seen the battlefield. Whereas quite a few NATO weapons have seen action, and Russia knows how to counteract them now. So as far as being strategic... Russia is way ahead, because we really don't know what to expect from them, but they pretty well know what to expect from NATO. I just thought I would throw that out there. And on the second half of the show, I'm going to be talking about what to do with the food you forage. And I'm going to try to stay away from World War III. I'm going to try to stay away from all this negative things, and I'm going to try to turn this show into a positive, and I'm going to talk about things that you can do to fill your pantry because I think that needs to happen as well. But I really do appreciate you tuning in, and I'll be right back after this. I really need to know who's listening and where you're listening from, whether it's by shortwave or podcast or on AM or FM radio. Even if you just pop me an email and say hi, I would appreciate it. And as always, I invite listeners, give me some suggestions of topics that they'd like to hear me cover. I would really appreciate that. Once again, my email address is jim at offgridliving.faith. Please visit the website, and the website is offgridliving.faith. And also, you can find links to even more information. Every one of my shows is uploaded on the website. If you enjoy the Living Off-Grid-Powered Information Show, I would ask that you consider donating to the show to help cover expenses because we don't get paid here. This is all done by donations. 
and we do not take anything online as far as PayPal or any of that because of all the censorship. Not that they have shut us off, it's just I'm not going to give them the opportunity. So we're going to do it the old-fashioned way, by mail, check, money order, or if you want to put cash in a secure envelope, we would appreciate any donation, any size. Just send all your correspondence to Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143. That's Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143, and your support is greatly appreciated. This next song was recorded in 1902 by the Edison Military Band. America, played by the Edison Military Band. There's no dinosaur media here. Welcome back to the second half of the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. This is Jim Calhoun, and I really do appreciate you tuning in today. Well, this half of the show, I'm going to be talking about making some things that I think are going to be fun to make, and also very worthwhile to know how to make. And you might call this a creature comfort. This first thing I'm going to mention, but actually it's getting yourself some quick energy and also some vitamin C. And I have to give credit where credit's due. I heard this on Emmy Made, E-M-M-Y-M-A-D-E on YouTube. And if you'd like to watch a video about what I'm going to explain to you, that's where to go. But in her video, she does not address the nutritional value of what she made. Now, all soft drinks have an origin. Before there was Sprite, before there was Coca-Cola, before there was Pepsi or anything else, people used to make their own fizzy drinks by naturally fermenting them. And the drink I'm going to describe is made from pine needles that you ferment. And it's very easy to do. All you have to do is have pine needles, sugar, and clear water. You don't want to use any chlorinated water or any treated water. It's got to be pure water. You combine those three ingredients, shake it up a little bit to dissolve the sugar, put the lid on very solid so it gets an excellent seal, and then set it away on the counter out of the sun in a medium warm place for about three days. Then when you look at it, you'll start seeing carbonation bubbles that are inside the bottle. You might have to tap the bottle a little bit to get the bubbles to start coming up. Now it's not going to fizz like a commercial soft drink. It's not going to give you that type of a fizz. 
but if you would shake it up and then open the lid, you'd have quite a mess because it would come roaring out of there. It would be that carbonated anyway. And if it isn't showing any signs of carbonation, just give it another day or two. Then after you think it has sufficient carbonation, you can tell by how many bubbles, then you simply put it in your refrigerator or put it in a cooler full of ice. You chill it, then you pour it out, put it in a glass. Now most people add lemon or lime right after they pour it. They just squeeze a little lemon or lime into it. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to make two different versions. I'm going to make one version like I described. And the other version, I'm going to put the lemon and lime in right at first and let it ferment along with the pine needles. And what makes this naturally carbonated is the natural yeast that is going to be on your pine needles are going to feed off the sugar. And that's what causes a fermentation, which causes it to become fizzy. Now, while the sugar is not necessarily good for you, it is a boost of energy. Of course, it's the kind of energy that you'll crash off of. But the pine needles are full of vitamin C, and that vitamin C will leach out of the pine needles into the water. And so when you're drinking this, you're not only getting the sugar and energy, you're getting a good dose of vitamin C, because pine needles are very high in vitamin C. Now on the video that Emmy did, she left the pine needles whole. And I'm going to recommend you chop the pine needles in half or you chop them in thirds. That's not to help with the fermentation, but I think it will help to get the vitamins out of the pine needles. And if you try this and you enjoy it, well, you can start bottling it yourself. I'm not sure about mass producing this as far as canning it to put it away because the fermentation will likely continue. And I don't really know what that's going to do, if that's going to make some sort of an alcohol or if it's going to go rancid. I really don't know. But I do know that as a fresh drink, it does work. But if you make it and you like it, one of the good things about this is that you can make it all year long. Because even in winter, the pine needles should be fine for this. The only possible exception might be the yeast. The yeast might not be there or might be dormant. And if the natural yeast is weak, it'll likely take you an extra day or two to get your desired results. And I'm going to do the same thing with cactus. I'm harvesting some hay up in the Sandhill region here in Nebraska, and it's full of prickly pear cactus. And as I mow the fields, I mow this cactus up, and as I bale the fields up, I have to pick these bales up by hand, and I have to really watch myself because I'm like a pincushion by the end of the summer because these cactus can be really nasty inside your bale. Plus, when the cows are eating the hay, they bite into a cactus. I'm sure that doesn't feel good, so... I try to get the cactus out of the hay as much as I can. So instead of just taking this cactus and disposing of it, I use it. Actually, prickly pear cactus is extremely useful. You can use it like aloe vera. It has that same kind of a slimy property to it. You can fry it. You can boil it. You can pickle it. You can use it in salads. You just have to make sure you take all the spines off. And you do that with a torch or a open flame. You just burn all the spines off. Of course, you have to handle it with gloves until you do that. But after the spines are gone, you simply scrape the bumps where the spines were. Scrape it really good with a knife to make sure there's no spine left in there that can come in and hit the roof of your mouth. 
Then you can cut it in strips, or you can fry it whole, or you can cube it, or you can put it in a blender. There's lots of things you can do with cactus. But there's one thing I haven't heard of, and so I'm going to do it, is right alongside my pine needle drink I'm going to make, I'm going to use the same recipe, and I'm going to use cactus instead of pine needles. And cactus is very nutritious as well. But I think it'll work. And so that's one of the projects I'm doing. And God has provided thousands of plants that we can do this with. And so once you learn the technique of how to do this with pine needles and possibly cactus, there are probably dozens of other plants in your area that you can use in the same way. That way, you're getting the nutritional value of the plant, you're getting a nice sweet taste with your sugar, and you're saving a whole lot of money on soft drinks if you drink soft drinks. Now, of course, you're going to have to develop a taste for some of these things, but they can't taste awful because it seems to me that most of the commercial products that we buy today were based on this type of a drink. It started out with a very simple recipe, but they needed to mass produce it. They needed it to have a good shelf life. They needed to change the recipe and so they could make more of it and make it keep longer. And so, therefore, that's where the modern things have come in. has really nothing to do with nutrition. has everything to do with ease of manufacture and also the expiration date and so forth and so on. And I've had several people contact me about foraged food. And I don't think I made this clear, and I think I need to make it clear right now, is that you don't have to have a bowl of foraged food in front of you, and that's your meal. It seems like a lot of people think that if they're going to have, let's say, dandelion greens, they're going to get a whole bowl of dandelion greens and sit down and try to eat it all. And if it's prepared properly, you're going to enjoy that, but it won't be something you'll want to do every day. But that actually goes with everything you eat. If you had a bowl of rice, and it was just white rice with no butter, no salt, no pepper, you wouldn't be very excited about your meal. Or if it was a bowl of noodles, just cooked noodles, and that's all it was, like a packet of ramen without putting any of the powder that comes with the ramen noodles in to flavor it, be pretty bland. And most people like casseroles and stews and things that have different ingredients because the ingredients kind of help each other as far as flavor-wise, and it makes things more savory. And I did not make it abundantly clear that that's how you use foraged food. Just because you're using foraged food doesn't mean that it has to be 100% foraged food. I'm going to give you some examples. If you're having a hamburger, instead of putting lettuce on the hamburger, put some wild lettuce or some curled dock, some bindweed leaves or some lamb's quarter or something that's similar to that, and use that other than your lettuce. And if your lettuce is chilled that you put on your hamburger, of course, you'll want to chill whatever foraged food you're going to put on your hamburger. And if you like things to be crispy as far as like crispy lettuce, then I would say the curl dock would be the way to go. If you fry up potatoes, you can take some lamb's quarter or curl dock or something and take a half a cup of that and fry it in with your potatoes. Just mix it in. What I like to do is get wild mustard and chop it up real fine and fry potatoes, and about five minutes before the potatoes are done, I go ahead and add a quarter cup to a half a cup of wild mustard, chopped real fine, 
That gives your potatoes an excellent flavor, and also it really boosts the nutritional value of your meals. Everything I'm going to suggest is going to boost the nutritional value of your meal greatly. In my fried chicken recipe, I use mugwort. Some people call it wild sage, but it's really mugwort. And it grows in the sand hills of Nebraska, but also grows in Kansas and Texas and Oklahoma. And I imagine mugwort grows almost everywhere. And you can't grind it up because it never truly dries out. It always stays a little bit dampish. And so you have to put it on a cutting board and use a very sharp knife and cut it into little pieces. But I add that into my marinade when I'm marinating for fried chicken. And it really gives it a nice flavor. And another thing you can do with mugwort is chop it up fine. Not a whole lot of it because it is pretty strong. So I would say probably for every pound of hamburger, I wouldn't use any more than two tablespoons of mugwort that's chopped up. And I would mix that in with a hamburger. If you do that with a little salt and pepper and fry the hamburger up and serve it to someone and tell them it was sausage, I doubt if anyone would challenge you. I think everyone would say, hey, this is good sausage. And so if you like to taste the sausage, it works great with ground beef and also ground pork. Just add this little bit of mugwort in there and you instantly have sausage. And I've got to the point now that if I do buy sausage at a store, I still add some mugwort because it really does help bring out that sausage flavor. And I know I just mentioned eating mugwort. If you eat it by itself, it's real bitter and you won't like it. But as a spice, it works good. But it has other uses as well. The Native Americans always used it to purify their dwellings. And so it can be burned as incense. And when you burn it as incense, it not only gives an aroma to your house, but if you have mosquitoes that are bothering you, if you burn some mugwort, the mosquitoes will go away. So it's a natural mosquito repellent, and it works very well for that. And so when you're using foraged food, don't go out and just try to eat a bowl full of just foraged food. Start by incorporating foraged food into what you normally eat. You're going to love the new flavors, and also you're going to feel better, like the potatoes. If you have just regular potatoes and you chop them up and boil them, even with the skins on, they're not going to be that nutritious. There is going to be nutrition there, but nothing major. But if you add a half a cup of curled dock and a half a cup of dandelion leaves or lamb's quarter or a similar type of a plant into your potatoes and mash it up and have mashed potatoes, it'll color your potatoes a little bit. They'll be a little bit greenish, and some people might not like that. But it's not going to change the flavor hardly at all. But what it's going to do is going to give you a whole bunch of vitamins and minerals and omega-3 and omega-6. And in the case of the curl dock, it's going to give you iron. And so your regular mashed potatoes can turn into a superfood. And after you eat like that for a couple of weeks, all of a sudden you're going to notice, hey, I feel better. That's one thing about foraged food that I can honestly say that is my favorite part is that after you eat it for a while, you feel better. Because it's real, it's natural, it's what God made for us to eat. It didn't come out of a can or a sack. And that's why I call it God's garden. I mentioned ramen noodles earlier. Well, ramen noodles don't have that much nutrition. And so I had some ramen noodles in the house, and I fixed a couple packs, and I went out and picked some dandelion flowers. I added a couple handfuls of dandelion flowers that were in full bloom. 
a couple of dandelion leaves and a handful of lamb's quarter, which is growing here right in my barnyard. And I know I boosted the nutritional value of that meal, at least by triple, by what I did. And so even if you don't store away foraged food, if you start using it on a daily basis, at the end of the year, you're going to feel better and also you'll have more money that's available for other things. I have a whole bunch of wild mushrooms that are growing out of my tree grove, and I'm trying to identify them, and so far I have not identified the mushrooms, but I have a ton of mushrooms this year. But of course, you have to be very careful with mushrooms. You have to know exactly what you're doing, what variety it is, and the age that you can eat them, whether they're edible or not, how to care for them, how to clean them, how to cook them, how to process them. You just don't go out and start picking mushrooms and eating them. And another thing that is very good that people may not realize is grape leaves. And I know people in the Mediterranean, they eat the leaves all the time. But you can use grape leaves and apple leaves and also mulberry tree leaves. You can even use the flowers off a of lilac for a spice. Not only smells good when you bring it in your house, you can add a little bit to your salad. And so when you're talking foraging, it's not all or nothing. It really isn't. Do it in baby steps and do it incrementally. And I like to experiment anyway. And so I come up with all sorts of recipes that, that I know nobody else on earth can make because I'm using ingredients out of my own barnyard. And so far I haven't had any complaints as far as the recipes I've come up with. And I can grind my own corn and I can make my own wheat flour or rye flour. I can even grind the corn so fine that I can make a corn flour. And I planted a pretty good patch of open pollinated field corn that I'm going to use to feed the chickens, but also I'm going to make my own cornmeal. And one thing about cornmeal, when you buy it from a store, the reason that it can sit on the shelf is because they de-germ it. So that's what they call it, degermination. What they're doing is they're taking the life of the seed out. And so what you're getting is the starch and the hull. You're not actually getting the part of the seed that's alive. Because if they ground that up, then the cornmeal could go rancid pretty fast. But if you buy whole corn, and make sure it's not GMO, leave it whole until you're ready to use it. Then you grind it fresh, and then the corn has the germ in it, which makes it a lot more healthy. It just gives you a lot more bang for the buck if you're not throwing out the most important part of the corn. In the same way with wheat, I leave my wheat berries whole until I'm ready to use them. Then I put them in my old hand crank grinder and crank away. I not only get some exercise, I get some really great food. Several years ago, I harvested some wheat, and I took a gallon can, and I snagged a gallon of wheat right out of the combine. I took it in the house and washed it off and let it dry for several hours, and then I put it in the grinder and ground it up. And then later that night, I baked cookies using those wheat berries that I'd harvested that day. And they were the freshest, best-tasting cookies that I'd ever made. And so there are ways to think outside the box. There are alternatives out there. We just have to turn our mind on. And I hate to say this, but we have to admit we've been brainwashed. We have to admit that for years, mankind as a whole has been farmed. We've been kept. We've been kept in the dark. We've been told what to eat, 
what to wear, what to say, how to act. And we really haven't felt that brainwashing too hard until this whole mess with COVID and the stolen election of 2020, and also the reaction of the medical community and the politicians and everything else. When you add all that up, you can start seeing the control that was absolutely shoved at us. Then when you try to wake people up, how people come against you and they just don't understand. They think you're a kook and a conspiracy theorist. And you know, the school systems have quit teaching about Daniel Boone and all these pioneers. Now they're all white supremacists and they're all evil. If we only knew the amount of money and time and effort that goes into keeping us in their corral to where they can farm us, if we only knew all the time and effort and money that they spent to keep us in the dark, keep us brainwashed, and keep us from thinking for ourselves. And so, if there's one thing you get from this show today, I want you to understand that you need to think for yourself. Don't let anyone think for you. If your gut hunch tells you something, follow it. Don't let anyone try to dissuade you from something that you truly feel is right. This whole world is full of nothing but sheep right now. But they've been made into sheep. It's been done on purpose. And people like me see that. And I try to wake as many people up as I can. And fortunately, I'm finding out that a lot of people are wide awake and they see what's happening. And I think that's a good thing. But before I end the show today, I do want to touch one more time back on preparing. I know I sound like a broken record, and I really do apologize for that, but I said a couple weeks ago time was getting short, and I think the only thing that's changed is that we now have less time than we did to prepare. And it's my goal to help each and every one of you become self-sufficient, to where you can actually get through your days and not have to worry about any entity that's going to possibly not be there such as a power company or a government or 911 or whatever. I think you need to be self-sufficient. Even if you live in a community with lots of people, you need to actually kind of live like you have nobody living close to you for a thousand miles, to where everything you do has to be generated by you. And what that does is it unlocks your own creativity. It'll help you problem solve. It'll turn you into an instant, creative, critical thinker. I'm going to give you an example. I have an old Massey Harris side delivery hay rake. I don't want to get into exactly what that is. It's just it's old. It's out of the 1950s. And I have a newer international harvester side delivery rake out of the 1970s. But that one is all sprung and it's no good anymore. Whereas the old Massey Harris, the rake part is really good. It's almost like new. But it's driven off the wheels. So as the wheels go forward, it makes the bars of the rake move to push the hay over. And the Massey Harris design was very weak in that department. So it breaks the little parts inside the drive wheel. And since it's out of the 1950s and most of them have been broken for years. It's hard to find good parts for that. And these internationals are very plentiful. 
and International had very good drive wheels. And so I'm putting International drive wheels onto a Massey Harris rake. And while the designs are similar, they're all different sizes. The International is built much heavier. And so nothing fits. But it only took me about five minutes to figure out an adapter kit to where I could adapt the one wheel to the other product, to where I could adapt the International wheel to the Massey Harris. And it's not because I'm so smart. It's just because I have to think that way. I've trained myself to think very critically and to think very creatively. And so when I'm hit with an impossible problem, I just feel like impossible means it's going to take me an extra hour or two. And that's the attitude you need to have. You need to be able to look at any problem you have and critically think it through and be creative. And a lot of your ideas won't work. A lot of your ideas won't be any good. But as you train your mind to automatically kick into a creative mode, all of a sudden your thinking is going to get sharper. And the sharper your thinking is, the more you realize how brainwashed you have been. And so it's my hope and prayer that all of my listeners become creative thinkers. I'd like to thank you for listening today. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate those who have supported this program more than you could possibly imagine. And this show is only available because of listener support. So I would ask that if you have not donated before, please consider donating to this show. If you think that this show is relevant, if you enjoy the show, if you learn something, I would appreciate a donation of any size. And I put every dime back into the show. So again, please consider sending in a contribution. I would really appreciate that. It's very easy to do. I take checks, money orders, or cash. You would write the check out to Thunderbolt West Media. You would mail to Thunderbolt West Media. P.O. Box 163. P.O. Box 163. Hershey. Nebraska. Hershey, Nebraska. And the zip code 69143. Again, thanks for listening. And until next time, everyone, stay strong. Stay safe. Get your creative juices flowing. Become a problem solver. Keep your powder dry. But most important of all, replace fear with faith. This is Jim Calhoun with the Living Off Grid Power and Information Show. The song Step Out on the Sea is performed by Brit Small and Festival. Thank you for listening to Thunderbolt West Media.